Hey, it's Crystal McFadden, host of the Crystal Conversations podcast. Before the intro starts, I just wanted to say hello. I am so excited you are listening in on season two. We are really honing in on the focus of resiliency as it relates to mental health. These are professionals, people with their own personal journey. The whole goal is to just pour into you with the education, knowledge, and wisdom that they have to share for your benefit. So grab your notebook, grab a pen, and please don't forget to invite a friend to the conversation. I'm glad you're here, and I can't wait to see you again. Take care. Hi there. Welcome to the Crystal Conversations podcast. My name is Crystal McFadden, and I am welcoming you to this place where conversations of growth and resiliency, faith and falling meet your day-to-day challenges with authentic stories of the struggle, each equipping and encouraging you to own the value of your journey. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation. Hello, listeners. I'm so glad you're here. I have the privilege of having a conversation with a woman I cannot even believe I get to call her friend and sister in Christ. She is just such an inspiration to me and come to find out that she has supported the mental health field in her background and now in her ministry in such a creative way. We crossed paths goodness, nearly two years ago, if not more. Mm -hmm. And it was because of the common writing and speaking background, but it goes so much further than that. And watching God move and work in this woman's heart and the way that she serves, it truly is an honor to introduce her to you. And so listeners, it is my honor and privilege to introduce to you, Miss Peg Arnold. Oh, it's my honor and privilege to be here with you, Crystal. I, I, we have mutual admiration society here. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like, are we allowed to love each other equally in a static absolutely. mode? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. As you were describing, I'm going, who is that woman she's interviewing today? <laughs> <laughs> I want to listen. <laughs> I want to listen on that, right. It's so funny because... I have this conversation with God a lot where I don't necessarily realize what he's doing in and through me Mm -hmm. until someone reminds me what he's done, like where he's brought me from or how he's used me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, that's so cool. But I immediately point it to him. So I never think that it's me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that um, we all fall into that trap where we don't recognize those gifts that God is working through us. Part of that, I think, is helps us, keeps us humble, you know, for one thing. But uh, another part is we can be too hard. The other mm-hmm. side of us is we can be too hard on ourselves. And so we do need to recognize those gifts that God does give to us. And, um, and be those, you know, be the best that we can be. And somewhere in that middle ground is the receptivity of someone being like, I know this is God. I'm glad I'm helping because as you mentioned, the two extremes where it's like, I'm the greatest, watch what impact I leave. Yeah. And, oh no, I'm so terrible. This is the worst. And I messed up. Like both of those are hard to deal with. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, you it's don't much- want to be on either end of the spectrum there. <laughs> no, we want to be in that middle ground where we're like, okay, Lord, you lead, I'll follow, you get the glory. And somewhere I will be thankful for taking part in this mission. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. So speaking so. of living on mission, tell the listeners a little bit about the roles you hold, your ministry, okay. where you're at now. Okay. Well, I, with, with giving you kind of the, you know, the 3,500 3, view, um, I grew up in Michigan as a PK. I raised my kids in Maryland, where I was a teacher and a school counselor, and my ministry started there. And I now live in Colorado and have been here about four years. And my ministry is my main focus, both with speaking and writing. And of course, it's through the writing that you and I have gotten involved with each other. I'm a mom of two adult children. I have six grandchildren now Yay! and been mar- married next month, 45 years next yes. month. We will so well, actually, by the time you air this, I'll have been married for 45 years. <laughs> so... But, um, but God's given me uh, the ability to be active in lots of different roles uh, with our, my church. I've been active as a teacher and a supporter of others and working with women's ministry as a professional. I said a teacher and a school counselor and also within churches being speaking and leading worship and music. And then God kind of opened a door in the midst of serving in my church and serving in other ministries and serving in a full-time job as a school counselor, opened this door into a speaking ministry. And that was an interesting transition because all of a sudden I found myself balancing a lot more balls than I had intended on doing at that stage in life we always have our plans and then God's like, excuse me, there are people I would like you to serve. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's true. That's true. And when we're obedient and shining that love, he just continues to bless that. It's true. And sometimes, um, sometimes we have goals and visions for ourselves that we know are part of God's and we, we work towards those But then sometimes God just opens this door, which he kind of did with me with ministry. I don't think I'd had a vision going into a drama-based ministry. And he, I started integrating drama into talks and teaching and being a teacher. I am very, um, a high proponent or supporter of the multiple intelligences. Mm. And I love how Gardner says, you know, we learn in all different ways. We learn through art. We learn through nature. We learn through being by ourselves. We learn through people. We learn through math. We learn through logic, um, reading all these different areas, and which is more than just kinesthetic action, visual, and verbal taking it in. Um, and as a teacher, I started integrating my lessons to start holding uh, attention to those different intelligences and those different modalities of learning. 
And then it started transitioning into my speaking and my ministry. And that's where drama came into being a part of speaking. I was given a talk I had to give on a retreat one time. And it's, it said, how do you avoid pitfalls of Christianity? And I thought, well, I could give this academically, but how could I engage my audience, uh, my listeners to really feel the message and, and get the point of the message? And God gave me these characters to play about these pitfalls. And of course, when you, when you talk about pitfalls, you're not talking about very complimentary characters. <laughs> so, and I thought, okay, this is for this one moment in time. And both my father and some other people who saw it said, oh, no, Peg, God's going to do something with this and, um, in trying to bring people together uh, in the unity in the body of Christ. And so that's, that's kind of how it got opened. And I got started, a couple of my friends were pastors and started inviting me to their churches and, and then God did the rest. I like thinking about the body of Christ because there is a unifying thought of like all of us going to church, like we are one, we are of one mind, are one another's, all of the like happy things. But when we really zoom in a little bit, there are these characters, there are these personas that that we can almost assume are around. As you said, when you're talking about pitfalls, you can kind of see these characters come to life. Or when you talk about the Pharisees, there's these personalities mm -hmm. that come out. And we realize that all of these like micro characters are within the body. And somehow we need to figure out how to lock arms and unify mm -hmm. for God's Absolutely. glory. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because when you look at the two greatest commandments to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love others as yourself, that's where we have to lock those arms in. And I always find it interesting when Paul talks in both Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the body of Christ in both of those letters and talks about the gifts in the body of Christ and how we are each different and relates it to, you know, a hand can't be an eye. We're familiar with that scripture. But in both of those letters, when he gets done talking about here are all your differences and you need to work together in both of those letters, he then transitions and think of how you write a letter and how you want to make your point. He transitions to the message of loving each other. And think of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what follows it? Yep, 1 13. Corinthians <laughs> chapter 13. If I can do all things, you know, if I can move up mountains, if I can speak in all these languages, but I have not love, I am nothing, I gain nothing. And so he integrates that commandment to love others into that message that we are created differently and we're going to rub each other wrong and we're not going to always get along, but we still have to find those places that we agree on. And 
And sometimes those places that we agree on as Christians and believers, those places that we agree on are going to be our faith-based, um, hopefully just the central part of our faith, because there will, there will be differences. Oh, yes. But I, but I think every, every human, no matter what your faith-based, no matter what your cultural background, there is something that we hold in common. And a lot of that is our desire to have purpose in this world, our desire to be loved, and our desire to be protective and have healthy relationships. I, I have a story that I think you'll appreciate. My, We've been introducing our six-year-old to the idea that he is blessed to live in a nice little Christian bubble with a healthy family and, and like nice things and it's really hard to help him understand that the world does not know Jesus and that the essence of the gospel is we are born enemies of God. And then we have this opportunity to choose him and, and follow in that path. And sometimes we do it young and he doesn't understand why mommy didn't love others and love Jesus until I was 24 but he's loved Jesus since he was like three or four, he says. And we were driving and he goes, you know what, mom? I think I should be president and I'm going to order everyone to read their Bibles once a day. And then that <laughs> way they have to love God and love others and the whole world would be fixed. <laughs> And because you and daddy spend time telling people about Jesus and loving them. So I should just be president and tell them. I said, well, the beautiful thing about God is he doesn't force us to love mm -hmm. him, but mm -hmm. it is good to introduce people to the idea of this is his truth and this is his call. And in that we have a more unifying approach to this life and it was just so sweet to see it simplified in such a way that, well, if we're going to get along and we don't want any more mean people, then I'll just be president and tell them, read your Bible, love God and love <laughs> others. <laughs> His whole speech. <laughs> and, and wouldn't it be great if we could all have that heart of a child, right? That faith of a child. I was, we were given a, a uh, message in our sermon yesterday, we're doing the Beatitudes. And, um, you know, you, you talked about if we could all get along. And the theme yesterday was blessed are the peacemakers for um, they shall become children of God. Mm. And, and he makes a point to say, you know, there are, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And a peacemaker isn't life without conflict. A oh, peacemaker goodness. means that you are going to enter into conflict and conflict is healthy. We start to understand each other through conflict and hopefully on the other side, get to some kind of um, mediation, you know, or resolution that we, we both can agree on, even if we still are at two sides. You know, sometimes I, my husband and I have to agree to disagree. And I think that's a healthy resolution in some, some instances. Yeah, but, we, uh, we don't have to agree. We simply need to seek to understand 
Yes. That there is reason for the other person's perspective and navigate in a respectful manner. Absolutely. Absolutely. So these are skills that not all of us are taught as young people. <laughs> um, right. I still remember my first introduction to, and I was just writing this in one of my book chapters, sort of this story, and it it brought everything back, but we're not always taught that yelling and screaming at each other is not the appropriate way to get our point across. Right. And and for for some families, that's taught early. And so mm -hmm. seeing that from a school mental health support angle, watching how children go through and understanding the power of unity, the power of creating peace or having healthy communication, are there baseline skills of communication that would be helpful for any of us to know that you're like, what are some good questions to ask? What are some things we can mm. do that you would teach a child and say, just practice this, think about right. it this way. Right. Well, I think, I, you know, that's where counselors, school counselors have a huge job in teaching some of those baseline lessons. And there's the um, social emotional skills of just being able to learn to listen, then to reflect and clarify you know, what you've heard, you know, those, those are basic skills. And when we start learning them, whether we are children or whether we are adults, that act of first learning how to listen and focus on the speaker without formulating what your next answer is going to be, but learning to listen, to understand, to empathize. Uh, many times, a lot of us will listen to analyze the other person, or we might be at the other, at other end, and we listen, and we, we are emotional, and you know, we, we have all the affection for what they're going through, but true understanding kind of comes between that analyzing and that affection uh, in to be able to empathize, to really put yourself in the shoes of that other person. So it's learning what those skills look like. And as I said, no matter what age you learn those, they're awkward at first <laughs> because they don't come natural. And so when a counselor is teaching them, whether you're in a counseling session or in a group or in a student circle, you know, or in a classroom, sometimes it's a one-on-one -on -one and you're reflecting and you're learning these I messages of, of either I feel this when I see you doing that, that's one way to communicate your needs to somebody else, or if you're listening to somebody else, is I hear you saying and you repeat it back. And you know this, Crystal, it can feel just awkward and not like, uh, not like a real conversation. Uh, yet, if we practice those skills, then they can start to feel more natural and more organic. And then we start really interacting with people where we are interested in what they have to say, and we're not always trying to get our side or our point of view across. So when, when you ask for specific skills, I think first listening is a skill 
to learn from a young age and practicing to listen without having to rebuttal on that uh, conversation. And listening can involve reflecting or clarifying, did I hear you right? And these are skills that we teach, especially in conflict resolution, to listen to the other person, repeat what you heard, and then clarify if you have any questions. And those are good skills, whether you are married, whether you're dealing with your children, whether you're dealing with a coworker, um, and they take time to slow down to be able to use those skills appropriately and effectively. Um, I, I, and I have to say, I would fall into the trap of having my mission on my mind, especially at work or even with my family and somebody coming up and having, you know, wanting to tell me something and I needed to check off something on my list with them. And so I didn't even enter into the conversation with them. I want to give you an example of something that just happened yesterday like this. And this is just, we were at McDonald's and I approached the woman and I said, okay, our order is, and I'm looking at the, at the um, board and giving her our order. And she said, hello. She said, I really like your jacket. And it all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm talking to a human on the other side of this. I'm not yeah. making a order. And I said, well, th thank you. I hope you're having a good, and so I made sure to look at her eyes and it just, she, she's the one that brought me out of the, hey, it's just not a to-do. We're not that busy. I want to treat you like a human. And I so appreciated what she said because it kind of jarred me out of this. I need to accomplish this, this, and this yes. to go forward. And sometimes um, I, I think we all fall into that trap. And it's when we are in that, I need to accomplish this, you need to accomplish that, that misunderstandings or you know, feeling unappreciated is communicated probably not um, intentionally, but, and that's where some of the conflict starts up in any relationship. Uh, so I, I, that listening skill, listening to understand, listening to clarify are skills that I think are so necessary. And then to be able to express your needs in a, in a respectful way. And that's where those I messages come in. And of course we give I messages in a script, but there's lots of different ways to say, this is how this affects me. I, I don't know why, I don't think you're intending for it to affect me that way, but this is my response to it. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can express that to people, but to start, and I know there are wonderful school counselors from day one who are working at teaching from kindergarten through high school, these skills, whether they're through conflict resolution or social emotional um, skills within the classroom, but they are trying to uh, put uh, it, you know, equip our kids with these skills in their daily interactions with their peers. And then of course our prayer is, is that it spills over into the home as well. Well, just like that woman at McDonald's, it's not that you're an unkind or unlearned, un 
uncaring, unattentive person, like your natural state is to zone in on the human and show love. (laughs) So the fact that it was someone else jarring you out of your intention, this is something that children can do with their parents when their parents are too busy or we're actually walking through a parenting conference, my husband and I, and it's, it's funny because the whole thing is your kids are going to show you things that you don't know about yourself. (laughs) And if they learn this early, that's powerful. Absolutely. Another skill I think that is a uh, foundational skill is the skill of gratitude is the skill to be able to recognize when you can be thankful for things around you, recognize the little things, but then to be able to express that gratitude to those who are closest to you. People thrive when gratitude is part of the conversation and part of the relationship. Just, and God has told us, you know, he thrives when we give him our thanks and praise. That's what the Psalms are all about. So if we have a God who thrives on our thanks and praise and we are created in his image, how much more are we going to thrive on thanks and praise when we both give it and when we receive it. Oh my goodness, yes. And as you were talking about the I statements, they are sort of clunky because they're not natural to to our communication, the the way that we go through our life without being taught and then practicing this. And the thought that came up was, it not only brings us to a vulnerable state because we have to own what it is that we're hearing, what it is that we're feeling, what it is that we're observing in that I statement. So it brings a level of vulnerability and humility to speak that out, but it can also sort of break off, chip off that pride from ourselves and sanctify us in a way where we are willing to communicate. We are willing to slow down and put our agenda aside, our motives aside, and truly unify or understand or connect with this other person in such a way that it's like the gospel in motion through our communication because we're meeting someone where they are just like Jesus does and we're Mm -hmm. seeking to hear the heart of the matter rather than assuming that they're just a sinner and someone that needs cast Mm -hmm. away and then we're clarifying that we now understand and that we can take a step forward in whatever the conversation, the task and whatever it is. And so I think it's awkward because we're not naturally righteous apart from Christ. And he will teach us these things along the way, no matter how difficult they may be. And, and even as we learn them, just like my situation, even though we know the skill, then we fall into the trap of, distractions taking us away or you know having our checklist and you know going forth like that bull in the china shop and we forget those skills and and that's you know when we impact each other's in ways that we don't intend to oh Um, goodness no like yeah as we grow it's not it's not often hardness of heart in a constant sense but it is these distractions and i'm wondering because you have these devotions of a distracted heart and that <laughs> I do. they're 
<laughs> there are so many things that pull for our attention or unintentionally sideswipe us so that the girl at McDonald's has to catch our attention. Was there a moment that you were just like, this is why this matters to me. This is why mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. pour content into this subject. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes, with the distractions for the, uh, or devotions for the distraction art, um, I, I, God gave me that vision that we have these distracted hearts. And one of the things that I have learned through, through prayer and through writing these devotions is many times we will be upset within a distraction. And yet that is what God has put us in, put into our path to get our focus back on him. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, and I'll give you some examples, delays. A lot of times delays really frustrate us, you know, especially when it's making us late, but- We had a that, plan. <laughs> yeah, we had it planned. We were going to be there. But so many times I believe delays, even if they're of our own doing, you know, our own poor planning, I believe delays sometimes make us avoid something that could have been in our path had we been on time, or a delay may put a person in our path that God wants us to interact with. Um, I had a, I had a, this is one of my devotions. I had a situation in an airport where I left my phone in the rental car. And so, and we were trying to get, I wanted to get coffee before I got on my plane, you know, and so we had to run back out to get that phone. And of course, it was a delay on getting back into the line for coffee. But by the time I got back into the line for coffee, there was a woman right behind me. And this happened probably, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And I'm still friends with that woman. It was a divine, it was another believer. And we struck up a conversation and it has been, it was a divine appointment. And so what I saw as a unneeded distraction of my own, you know, poor planning, God had good intentions. So there's one side to those distractions is they are in there for a purpose. And can we find purpose to the distraction rather than just getting upset that it took us off our path and off of our mission? The other part to distractions that I've learned through writing this is sometimes the distraction is there to teach us a, a lesson. Um, and and I'll, I'll, I'm gonna call myself out on this. I had a time I needed to get my kindergartner to her afternoon Sunday school or her afternoon school class. And we had been running errands and I had a toddler son who was upset in the back seat and I was, I drove by this accident and I realized it was a really good friend of mine. Mm. And I drove by it because I thought getting my daughter to school on time was more important than the distraction. And this is going to bring tears to my eyes than the distraction of stopping and helping my friend. My friend has gone to be with the Lord since then. But she didn't understand 
seeing my car drive by when she could have used, even if I couldn't have done anything, but I maybe, you know, could have given her a hug of encouragement. God has used that distraction to say, you're no better than the Levite. Mm. You're no better than those who walked past the Samaritan or walked past, past the beaten man that the Samaritan stopped to help. Yeah. And so I think sometimes there's distractions in our life that when we, when we process them, God is teaching our spirit a lesson. And it was a lesson to me that peg people are more important than schedules. And, and that could be, oh, that'll, that'll hit your heart. Like, it'll oh, hit your heart I hear because, you. and, and I drove back. To, to help her. After I dropped my daughter off, I drove and of course the accident was cleaned up and I didn't know where she was. So, you know, I, I it's so, it, you know, it made an impact if I'm still talking about it and, and regretting my decision. Then I think there's those simple little distractions that get in the way that, that are, uh, are of our own doing and kind of say, we could have been a little bit more organized on this. We could have been a little more fact, you know, focused. And there's our, our procrastination distractions. Uh, but I think they all have meaning in teaching us what are our priorities in life? What are our balance in life uh, going to be? Because if we find we are always, always distracted and always going off on these tangents, I don't think that that's how God wants us be, to be. I think he wants us to have, have that plan, but not a plan that is so rutted in the earth that we don't have time to grow or detour off in another place where God's going to reveal himself in a beautiful way. I think that's so powerful. And I've, I agree. I, I've seen detours in my plan. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, very purposefully used by God. And I'm so thankful to see through that lens, but it takes some work to, to gain the skills and find the clarity in using that detour, using that distraction for a lesson, for a purpose, for a way for improvement, the opportunities mm -hmm. that we can tweak and become more efficient and better stewards of what he's entrusted us. And I think that comes with just this slowing down and recognizing that we are hijacked by our distractions a lot more than we would <laughs> like to admit. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you, when you talk about slowing down, we all experienced what that slowdown was during the COVID shutdown. And all the stuff to the surface. It, it brought all the stuff to the surface. <laughs> Some of our lives did not slow down because if we were healthcare workers and first responders, you know, our life didn't have a chance to slow down at all. But there are many of us that our life was slowed down. And, and I think some of us said, okay, when things start opening up, I'm not going to get as overscheduled. And we found out that easier said than done because oh especially yeah. if we're, we we um, have work obligations and church obligations there's you know those but if we're raising a family our kids get involved in things and that family you know 
that family schedule gets full very, very fast. But to know that if balance is something that you're looking for, and our church uses this, uh, this theme of sustainable rhythms, and I love that idea, sustainable rhythms. We can be busy as long as it's sustainable. Are we taking time for that personal, emotional, spiritual rest that we need? Are we taking time for that family play that we need? Are we, are we working in and, and having, you can have a busy schedule and all of us have different capacities for busyness. We all know that. So we shouldn't sit there and compare ourselves to, you know, Jane Doe next door who can balance and she's always on the go and you're exhausted doing just three things that she might do because our capacities are different mm -hmm. for activity. But if we can look for that own balance within our life, and that comes through our prayer life, that comes through uh, laying out priorities, that comes through talking with those that we love within our household of what that balance is going to look like. And it has to be intentional. If yeah. we're not intentional about it, it's never going to happen. Now, one of the victories you're about to celebrate is this 45 years married. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I married yeah. when I was five years old. Right? Yes. <laughs> predetermined set up right. and it, cared it for set up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. With that victory and God getting the glory, are there sustainable rhythms? I mean, clearly you've gone through a number of different seasons with your family, but things that were constant for your marriage that you have found beneficial that you, you guys fight for, like, this is, mm -hmm. this is, what works for us? Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, I think we went through some times that we weren't very successful at that. Uh, to be honest with yeah. you, I think you have to, and I and I encourage couples that are going through hard times. Is sometimes hard times are what you learn um, the skills that are going to pull you closer. Yeah, uh, I, I'll I'll tell you. It, you know, I have a big heart for mill spouses. I was never a mill spouse, but my husband did travel, um, you know, sometimes, and sometimes his were only two weeks or three weeks. So I can't imagine four to six months to nine months. Um, but I know how hard that was after two weeks of travel, having him come back in. And I was, I was single mom. When you're a mill spouse and you are the single parent at home, you're in single parent mindset. Yes. You have got things organized and things are running at, at a good pace. And it's not that you don't like to see the other parent come home, mommy or daddy come home and be part of it. But your mindset has already been, this you're is in the survival way mode. It. Exactly. And you know, parent comes back and they want to be welcomed and, and all of a sudden things change. And with me, I had the list of, okay, this, 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 this needs to be done because this is what I didn't have time to be done. So now when you, that you're home and we got into some of our biggest, biggest fights over that, 
And so that's why I have this heart for you know, anyone who has a traveling spouse and is trying to manage a family at home. Um, it, it takes intentional time to come back and kind of shake your head and say, hey, we're on the same team. We want the best for each other. How can we make this transition of welcoming you home better? Yeah. And so we had to, we had to talk about that. Um, and, and, and the talking, the logical, calm talking usually came after we had expressed ourselves in very colorful ways to each other. <laughs> yes. But to have that art of apology Mm. To have to to be able to be humble enough, I think the long-lasting relationship of marriage is to realize you're two different people, and your differences were attractive when you were dating each other, and they drive you crazy now that you're married to each other. But to have that that ability to apologize, that ability to express that what I did that wasn't my intention. And to hear each other and to have that forgiveness, um, those are two big things, apology and forgiveness and knowing you're on the same team, I think will get you through a lot. And then to be able to empathize, I needed to try and put myself into the shoes of my husband coming home after being gone and he needed to kind of put himself into the shoes of, of me. And so it's being able to express what my needs are and what are your needs. So how can I meet your needs? And, and how can we make that balance with each other? Because sometimes those needs are not on the same level. So how can we compromise? So another skill of a long lasting relationship is compromise. And to be friends, to realize that you both want the best for each other. And that, um, and, and like I said, and you're on the same team. Uh, another thing I think that gives longevity to marriage is to be able to say goodbye to a season and dream for the new seasons coming up. Because in every marriage, you're going to go through different seasons of life. and to always, we, we say, oh, that's when things were great. And sometimes we sit there and mourn that season and we want life to go back, but we're not the same people. We yeah. were back in that, in that great season. So it's being able to say goodbye to that season and retouch and dream and get excited for what is the new season gonna bring? And to also, if you are married and you do have children at home, to make sure that your relationship stays connected, keeping those date nights, keeping those touch points, keeping that 15 minute talk at night after the kids go to bed, how was your day and how are you doing and kind of touching base with each other. Because when the kids leave, you only have each other. And many times the kids leave. And if you haven't worked on that touching points and knowing who each other is throughout the child rearing days, and especially the challenging teenager years that are, are exhausting in their own right, every stage is exhausting in its own right. You know that. Yes. Um, but to always keep each other, you know, 
we, we are the two that need to be on the same page, be on the same team when making decisions with the kids. And so when the kids leave, we, we still like each other. We still know each other and who each other are. I think that's so important. So often in marriage, in work relationships, in communities, we forget that we have something in common to begin with, that mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, we became you versus me or mm-hmm. them versus us. And we miss out on this valuable opportunity to not only hear what that other person is going through and recognize that there were common grounds to begin with, even if it's just as humans, we are all right. human. Right living in a broken world, like sinners, selfish, prideful, in need of salvation, like we're all a mess apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. And somehow we made divisions. And it just, Mm -hmm. some of these things that we work through is really at the heart of our soul, just saying like, I know I'm not okay. I know I don't have all the answers. I want to learn more and I want to tap into the power that is beyond me, that eternal God-sized power that gives us forgiveness, that extends us grace, that gifts us with mercy and allows us to forgive when sometimes offenses are far beyond what her mm-hmm. flesh can, mm-hmm. can wrap our minds around. And, and when that happens, then a lot of times we don't have the tools to be able to do that ourselves. And that's, you know, I'm so glad you're highlighting mental health because mental health supports, sometimes we have to reach out to a counselor, to a therapist, to a group that can help us reconnect with that person that is so important to us, that relationship or reconnect with who we are. It may not be trying to heal a relationship. It might be in healing ourselves. And so we have to reach out to the mental health field to to gain help with that. Our Lord created us as we we said in the beginning as very creative people and very differing people. And we can reach out and gain insights to who we are and Christ can be very a part of that therapeutic relationship. Oh yes. It is not a dichotomous that, oh, if I'm a believer, I should just pray myself out of this. No. Sometimes it takes, you know, medical in- intervention or pharmaceuticals to get us past a certain point if if that's what we're struggling with. But the important thing to know as believers is that God gave men and women the ability to create these things. And yes, we don't want to abuse them, but if we are in need of them, by all means, they are there to get us from one stage to maybe from an unhealthy stage to a healthy stage. And many times it is just a period of time that we need this to gain new insights, to equip ourselves with skills and to heal ourselves. And as you highlighted, there's help specified towards so many different angles. And so, yes, there are supports in the school for school counselors. There are hospital 
mental health professionals that do medication and don't do medication. Mm -hmm. There are folks who incorporate spiritual beliefs and those who don't. There are folks who take insurance and don't take insurance. Um, There are folks that just do trauma and some who do. uh, You and I were bonding over the fact that we like preventative approaches, that growth minded. You know, and that's where preventative, it might be a coach, you know, you know, looking into that, Um, or it might be looking into a group situation, maybe you are more, you know, that would be a healthier place for you to be. Um, But it's just knowing that there are all those resources out there. And there, and if you've got a listener that is saying, well, where do I find those resources? If you've got if you've got kids in school, school counselors are a great, um, have a great knowledge of resources in your area for families, for marriages, for kids. Uh, but then you also have some community organizations that are mental health organizations that can help you find those resources as well. And there are online therapy finders. Mm-hmm. There are specific grants that target certain populations that there are professionals serving in. So it really just does take that looking. And the thing that I found is open your mouth, ask the healthy yeah. people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know any good therapists? Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. you can always be like asking for a friend, but <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, and I wish I, I think we are getting to the point that there isn't the shame associated with it or the embarrassment. Uh, I'd like to get us to the point where mental health and I, I know mental health workers are always working to say, Hey, it, it's normal to need help outside of yourself every so often. From and homeless to okay. billionaires. Exactly. Therapists are needed. <laughs> exactly. Money doesn't buy positive help. <laughs> and counselors know, positive need counselors. And counselors need counselors. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all need to look for how we can better ourselves and balance and seek those su- sustainable rhythms. So how did you know you were transitioning from, I know that it sort of happened in Maryland and really picked up in Colorado, but what was that moment that you saw yourself moving from a mental health focus to a ministry focus? Was there something Mm. that just birthed in your heart that you were like, and here we go, Lord. That, you know, that's interesting. I, um, I think as I was balancing a full-time job of school counseling and I was teaching staff development and continuing ed classes to staff as well and active in my church and going out for ministry, you know, helping people being in the speaking ministry is not that different from helping people in the mental health um, you are equipping people with tools. It's just in a different venue. Mm-hmm. And I found myself when I was in these ministry situations, whether it was women's retreat or whether it was a prayer breakfast, just feeling that sense of satisfaction being used by God 
that sense of being a vessel that the Holy Spirit was flowing through to minister to other women. And part of knowing that it was the Holy Spirit was I would get a woman that would come up to me and they would quote what they wrote down, quote what they said, what I said, and say, that was the most impactful. It helped me in this way. And I'm sitting there going through the canyons of my brain. Did I, did I say that? <laughs> and, that and I realized that's what the Holy Spirit does. The whole, when, a Holy, when the Holy Spirit is part of a mission, whether you are on a one-on-one -on -one talking with a friend, whether you are in a professional situation or speaking, the Holy Spirit takes our words and takes the, you know, the recipient's ears and changes that message to something that they need to hear in their spirit. And that's only where, where the Holy Spirit is present. And people started responding that my characters spoke to them in ways that I couldn't have said things as well. And so my, my prayer was, okay, Lord, when I can um, transition and leave my, leave my full-time job, then I want to dedicate my, my life to you in this speaking and writing ministry. And I didn't know writing was going to be as big a part of it as it is. I think COVID kind of, you know, advanced that along with a couple other events in my life that kind of uh, stopped me in my tracks. But um, my dad is, was a pastor. I think I told you I was yeah. a PK. And he said, well, don't wait till the financials make sense. Mm. He said they will never make sense. And so this opportunity, both of our kids ended up in Colorado and this opportunity to leave my full-time job and move to Colorado and make this huge relocation which I won't go into, but I'm just going to say I was 40 years in one place, 32 years in the same house. Wow. So you know what relationships were like? I literally felt like I was jumping off a cliff into the unknown. And I was praying to God and saying, Lord, you know, everything I know that's familiar here, my support system, my ministry, you know, I always thought I was going to leave my full-time job and stay in this area because this is where my ministry is, you know, and now you're, you're moving us to Colorado and I didn't hear an audible voice, but it could have been an audible, audible voice. I heard clearly what makes you think I don't have things prepared for you in Colorado. <laughs> and I just, I started weeping. I was on a walk. I yeah, started weeping like, and, and I'm going, oh, I've made you so small. We fit God into our box of what we know and what we can see. And God is so far bigger than what our brain can comprehend or what our eyes can even see. And I came home and my husband saw a different countenance in me. And he said, something happened to you on that walk. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I said, uh, I heard the voice of God. And I explained the story to him. And I said, we're moving to Colorado. And so, so really, that was that was that transition from leaving. And I wondered, 
for a brief second, would I jump into the school systems in Colorado? And, and that was, it was no, because this is the open door now for you to go into ministry. That's and, so cool. Uh, so that, that was my transition. And, and then of course, I had an accident that put me in a wheelchair. I had to cancel speaking engagements. And so I wondered, is this really you know, is this really what God has in store? But that's what got my book written and put together. And then COVID happened and changed everything. So it's like, okay, God, I, I am sitting here and I know your listeners can't see, but I am sitting here with open hands and closed eyes, looking just my face towards heaven saying, Lord, what you have for me, I just want to be open for. And if it is still to use this ministry of drama, which I truly believe in, because I believe that drama engages, engages the emotion of the listener through laughter and tears in a way and can say a message through drama, uh, either through humor or through something very serious, but it engages those motions in, in a way that just my spirit just my story may not be able to do. That's so powerful. Now, in this unique way, we have listeners that are like, well, how do I get in touch with her? How do I learn more? (laughs) So Peg, please point them to a website, give them direction and guidance. (laughs) Oh, I would, I would love if any listener reaches out to me, I have a website, pegarnold.org. dot com is a different Peg Arnold. I think she's a realtor. So she'll try to sell you a house, but pegarnold.org. And there is a little pop-up that comes up and says, if you want a free devotion, uh, you can sign up for that and you'll be in a monthly communique with me. Uh, I try to either give you a devotion or some type of encouragement for that month. Uh, Also, I'm on Facebook, Peg Arnold and the Wonder of Women. And ministry is my ministry page. You can follow that, or I'm on Instagram as well. Um, if anyone reaches out to me through private message or responds back to an email or even through the contact form, I always will respond back to you if there's any way I can help you. The book, Devotions for the Distracted Heart, is available on my website or Amazon if that's something you're interested in. If you order it, Though for your listeners from my website, I will give you a free devotion. You don't have to pay for the devotion or even tell me you want it. If you just order that book, I will know that they heard you here. They heard me here and they would get a free journal with their uh, devotional. Fantastic. So I'd love to meet them. That's wonderful. I, I just appreciate how you tap into the unique way God has gifted you and shown you that we receive information, we learn information, that it touches our heart in a different way. And you just stay attuned to that lead. Like, Lord, I'm here. Let me follow. Let me use what you've given me. Just show me where and how. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I, do I have time to say one more thing? Yes, please do your mic drop. So, okay. The (laughs) mic drop, it's this, is, you know, I, God has given me drama to you integrate and in using visuals into my ministry. 
But I want to say that God has created us as creative beings. Yes. And we can express what we are going through either we might be artistically inclined, we might be um, more writing inclined, we might be dramatic, we might be musically or dance inclined. Sometimes our expressions and what we need to do to feed our mental health in a healthy way is to express things through different modalities. And so I encourage if you've got a listener that's going through something, or if they've got a child that's having a hard time expressing, maybe bringing art into their world or puppets or some kind of modality that lets them be creative with how they're feeling, it can make all the difference in how they approach, how they understand and how they go forward. I think that's so important, Peg. I mean, when I think of the creator of the world, the one who has millions of species of beetles and billions of plants and the amount of cells in our body and the rhythms that it keeps just to regulate some sort of balance and functioning from the air into our lungs and the blood through our veins, And then he created us in his image to think and believe the lie that we are not creative in some way. And as you mentioned, it may be through drama or puppets. It may be through paint or pastels. It may be through architecture or clay. Building, absolutely. There's an expression of taking something that is seemingly a pile of papers and origamiing it into something mm-hmm. that didn't exist before. And that is our God in motion through us. Yes. And we get yeah. to celebrate that. Yes. Yep. And gardening too, planting. Yes. And then having something appear. You know, there's all our God is so creative. And we have all of those open to each of us. I love that. Listeners. I cannot even express my gratitude for the way Peg has owned her gifts, but also the many, many skills and tools and options that have been presented in this episode from ways to express creativity to the different approaches to healthy communication and the development of boundaries and understanding one another, creating unity between people groups and individuals. There is such richness in this episode. I hope that you will go back and take a listen. Peg, it has been an honor and a privilege to have you today. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege for me to be here with you, Crystal. And I just wish you the best. And God is going to use everything to you for his, that you do for his glory. Thank you. That is, that is my hope that you see his love, you see his light that you understand that you are not alone in this world. And although there are difficulties and divisions and distractions, it doesn't mean that we are off course. It means that we have an opportunity to look to the one who knows the details, look to the one who has made provision and look to the one who is welcoming you regardless of all past with open arms because he loves you and that he has not forgotten you and he created you for a purpose. 
to experience his love and glorify his name. And so listeners, thank you for joining this conversation. It was an honor to invite Peg Arnold into your life. And I hope that you will begin following her devotions of a distracted heart. Thank you for joining this crystal conversation the place where stories of growth and resiliency are authentically shared in order to encourage and equip you to own the value of your journey. If you've been inspired or learned something new, please feel free to share the love and tell someone about these crystal conversations. If you know your helping health or human facing organization or group would benefit from growth minded resiliency content, stop by crystalmcfadden.com for more information. And once again, this is Crystal McFadden reminding you that your steps matter and thanking you so much for joining me during this Crystal Conversation.